0: Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala.
1: Welcome to the program, and thank you so much for joining us today. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare. Visit the Clorox Healthcare website, www.cloroxhealthcare.com, and check out their latest spore defense for Clorox Total 360, helping you fight C. diff in places you couldn't reach before. Learn more about keeping environments safer with Clorox Healthcare. Our guests today are Dr. Tina Chopra and Dr. Glenn Tillotson who join us today to discuss C. diff infections, COVID-19, and what is known today. We welcome them uh, both to the show today. Welcome to the program, doctors. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you both for being here today. And I know how hard it is to take time out of your busy schedules. And Dr. Chopra, would you mind taking a moment to share your background with our listeners today?
2: Sure, um, my name is Tina Chokra, I'm a professor of infectious diseases at Wayne State University uh, and I'm also the hospital epidemiologist and the director of stewardship uh, at my hospital and um, I am happy to be uh, here and um, to discuss some thoughts with the viewers.
1: Wonderful, thank you so much for that. And Dr. Tillerson, would you like to share your background with our listeners today?
3: Sure. Hi, my name is Glenn Tillotson. I'm a m- m- medical microbiologist. I uh, have worked in the field of, of both clinical microbiology and antibiotic development for over thirty years. Um, I, how can I put it? I've been involved in the d- drug development of drugs like ciprofloxacin, and more recently, drugs like fidaxomicin. Um, so, um, I'm looking forward to this uh, this radio broadcast.
1: Thanks, oh, thank you, thank you, and thank you both of you. We're so glad to have you. And Dr. Tillison, uh, let's call on you first, and, and maybe you wouldn't mind taking a moment to introduce C difficile infections to our global listeners.
3: Certainly, Clostridium difficile is one of those uh, ubiquitous organisms, and it's a gram-positive, anaerobic, spore-bearing uh, bacillus. So in, under what's called a gram film, it's purple, apart from the spore, which tends to be uh, clear and transparent. So this rod-shaped cr- uh, gram-positive organism, as I say, is, is ubiquitous. And the spore is what makes C. diff such a problem. All clostridia produce these are spores. Um, Clostridium difficile uh, is, is no, no different. It's no different at all. And we have to uh, respect C. diff, as you will learn and listen about in the next hour or so. So, uh, as I say, C. diff is is ubiquitous and omnipresent.
1: Thank you, Dr. Tillotson. So, Dr. Tillotson, is it a bacteria
3: or a spore? It's both. It's a bacillus bacterium, which produces a spore. So it's actually both.
1: Okay, wonderful. And we know that um spores can be found in the environment, and that's the same for uh, Clostridium difficile also?
3: Yes, it is. Many different parts of the environment. Uh, soil, water, hay, sand, um, humans, uh, pets, a, a wide range of, of domestic pets have been found to, uh, to carry C. difficile spores, and in fact, the the vegetative forms as well.
1: And that's another reason why it's so difficult to kill the the spore, even uh, in disinfecting, you know, in the house and in hospitals, correct?
3: Correct. That's right. right. It really is a challenge, a real challenge.
1: Exactly.
3: Um, yeah.
1: Oh, so go on. ahead, Sorry, Dr. On. Tillerson.
3: I was going to say that, that there are, ways to it, in which you can clean the home environment. Bleach products are clearly perhaps the, the most effective, but no, you know, bleach is not ideal uh, for, for certain circumstances. And, in fact, hand-washing, it's been proven to be highly effective. I think what I, I read today, ironically, was that there's a new study being published on alcohol uh, hand-rubs. Uh, one of the things that the, the researchers have actually pointed out is that with the alcohol hand-rubs, you shouldn't just rub it on your palm of the hands and feel that that's enough. You have to rub and wash the entire hand thoroughly for at least 10, sorry, 15 to 20 seconds. So a really thorough uh, alcohol hand rub should be effective in reducing the, the burden of C. diff spores and C. diff organisms.
1: Okay, that's good to know. And Dr. Tillerson, um, do you, can you share with us when... Um, Clostridium bacteria was first diagnosed and when was it first
3: discovered? Sure. Um, C. diff, as I'll continue to to call it today, C. diff was actually discovered in in the mid-1930s. And in fact, the veterinarian uh, pathologists were the first ones to observe this uh, in 1935. And it was a well-known cause of, of what they called enteritis, for quite some time. And it wasn't until the, the late 1970s, 1978, that um, John Bartlett and Sherry Gorbach actually established that uh, the, this antibiotic-associated diarrhea was actually involving costurian difficile. And antibiotics at the time that were um, suspected and then implicated were drugs like clindamycin and some of the early uh, penicillins and, and beta betalactam drugs. So We've known about the the, the organism for coming up to a century, but really only in humans for around 40 to 50 years, which has has enabled us to build up an awful lot of knowledge in that time.
1: Absolutely. That is really wonderful information, and thanks for sharing that, Dr. Tillotson. Um, Dr. Tillotson, is C. diff easily transmitted from person to person?
3: Um, Yes, if you aren't. Careful with your your hygiene <laughs> um, hand, hand washing the hand disinfection with with alcohol rubs, yes, it is quite uh, tr- transmissible uh, I can't give you an R number to use the current term, but um, it is relatively straightforward to to collect to pick this organism up the spores are, are the main uh, problem here, and it's quite easy where people are not h- hygienic and both in terms of Let's say when they've been to the toilet or you know, the, uh, the general kitchen and overall damper environments, you have to be very careful. So it's, it is relatively easy to transmit and that's why we have to be very careful in certain susceptible environments like nursing homes where um, you know, uh, it, it, it can be a problem for the older patients.
1: Absolutely. I know we've read articles about contaminated surfaces and not washing their hands, and that's, you know, a big issue is hand-washing. So thanks for sharing that. And Dr. Tillotson, what are f- a few key ways to prevent from acquiring a C. difficile infection?
3: I think the number one, really, um, is hand-washing. I've said, you know said that already. Good old-fashioned soap and water. Uh, wash your hands very thoroughly for at least 20 seconds. Uh, the same can be said of these alcohol rubs. Um, I think, you know, they've been proven, established to, to significantly diminish the, the spore and bacterial load. I think one of the other areas that is important, and I think I mentioned it a moment ago, this condition was originally recognized as antibiotic-associated diarrhea. I think the important thing here is to limit the use of antibiotics, um, and remember that antibiotics really only work against bacteria. They don't work against viruses. And I think one of the, uh, the, the problems is that many patients have been guilty of requesting, in some cases demanding, antibiotics for various symptoms which are, are not bacterial, or not likely to be bacterial. So I think limiting antibiotic use is, is clearly an important way to go. Um, and often with some of these diarrheal conditions, your local pharmacist may well be able to guide you to products that are available over-the-counter rather than going to your primary care physician and demanding an antibiotic. I think it's worth talking to the pharmacist first before you actually go and try and demand antibiotics for some other condition that, for example... Respiratory infections the a big reason why most people demand antibiotics when, in fact, they are, are, are not needed in many, many cases.
1: Uh, we understand that very well. Thank you so much, Dr. Tillotson, for sharing that really important information. And, Dr. Tillotson, um, what are the some of the FDA-approved treatments available today to treat C. diff?
3: There are four FDA-approved products um, Metronidazole, which has been around an awful long time, oral vancomycin, which has been around for probably about thirty-five years now, um, and then most recently, uh, the, the last antibiotic to be approved was fidaxomicin, which was in uh, twenty eleven, and then a monoclonal antibody called bezlotoxumab was approved just a few years ago, uh, and that is mainly for for recurrent infections for recurrent C-diff infections. Um, the others can be used for primary infection, although fitaximycin is generally reserved for uh, first and second recurrences. We prefer not to use metronidazole nowadays in moderate to severe infections. Its uh, effectiveness is, is unpredictable. I'm being, I'm being kind there. So
1: there are exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Dr. Tillerson. And moving right along with the antibiotics and the FDA approved, um, maybe you wouldn't mind taking a moment to explain the clinical trials that are in progress and available to patients diagnosed with C. diff and recurrent C. diff?
3: Certainly. There are, to the best of my knowledge, 13 uh, therapeutics in, in development right now. Uh, there's two couple of vaccines which are in phase two or phase three, so that means they are Moving along well, I think everybody is more than aware of how vaccine development is progresses nowadays. Um, there are four antibiotics, one of which is in uh, late stage phase three, and that's ridinilazole from Company else Summit. And then there are a couple of other companies, uh, Crestone and Denov, uh, have an antibiotics slightly earlier in the pipeline. Interestingly, there are five. What we, what we call fecal microbiome transplants uh, therapies which are being developed um, which as, as the name suggests what we're doing or they're doing is taking a sample of a healthy microbiome and using that to replace the sick and uh, dysbiotic uh, microbiome of, of C. diff patients and there are five of those therapies in research at the moment um, with uh, Ferring and Rebiotics in Phase 3 as our series in Finch. And we should see some some data from those companies by the end of this year, which is encouraging. Um, Anything that can enable us to step away from use of antibiotics, even drugs, antibiotics that have a remarkable spectrum of activity. If we can restore more flora, that's got to be a better thing. And then there are a couple of other, uh, alt- what I would call alternative approaches. Uh, one is activated charcoal to, uh, to, to absorb antibiotics and antibiotic enzymes. And then the other is the use of human milk as an oral supplement with, with, with uh, various immunoglobulins and proteins in. So as I say, there are about, uh, well, there's 13 uh, therapies that I'm aware of.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much Dr. Tillotson. We know that for a full listing of clinical trials available for C. difficile infections, people can visit www.clinicaltrials.gov for a full listing and, and where these uh, trials are being um, hosted. And at this time, Dr. Tillotson, we are going to take a pause for for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing C. diff infections, COVID-19, and what is known today with our guests, Dr. Tina Chopra and Dr. Glenn Tillotson. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join us on Saturday, November 14th at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for the 8th Annual International CDF Virtual Conference and Health Expo. For details and to register, please visit CDF2020.com. Again, that's CDIFF2020.com. Or contact the CDF Foundation at 727 205 3922. We look forward to meeting you online on November 14th and meeting you in person in November 2021 in Boston, Massachusetts at the Hilton Boston Logan Airport Hotel. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, water a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Handwashing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on handwashing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. are listening to C. diff spores and more if you have a question please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org now back to our program here again is your host Nancy Kerala
1: welcome back to the program today and we thank you so much for joining us we have our guests Dr. Tina Chopra and Dr. Glenn Tillotson today they join us to discuss C. diff infections COVID-19 and what is known today and at this time We welcome to the show Dr. Tina Chopra. Welcome to the program, Dr. Chopra. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for having me. Uh, We appreciate your expertise, Doctor, and thank you so much for spending time with us today. And Dr. Chopra, would you take a moment to explain exactly what a coronavirus
2: is? Sure. Um, Coronavirus uh, is a group of viruses several different kinds that can cause common cold uh, to severe pneumonia. These are respiratory viruses and as uh, we've all seen in the cases of SARS, previously uh, previous outbreaks in the form of SARS uh, viruses as well as MERS COVID virus and now SARS-CoV-2 virus which has caused uh, COVID-19 pandemic. um, It can uh, manifest as a completely asymptomatic illness or milder illness to as severe as uh, pneumonia and acute respiratory distress and death. So, causing a spectrum of disease uh, in our population and a varied symptomatology in different age groups, including a different syndrome in children versus older adults where it can cause very severe uh, lung damage.
1: Okay. Thank you, doctor. And, doctor, are there different types of coronaviruses?
2: Yes, they can be uh, viruses that can, coronaviruses that can just cause common cold. And they can come uh, again and again. And they can be other viruses that, uh, as you know, these are zoonotic viruses. That means that uh, they are uh, prevalent in bats and transmitted to humans through a reservoir, uh, through other uh, animals. And uh, uh, that's how, uh, you know, the epidemic of uh, previous epidemics of SARS and MERS have been caused. And now we are see, witnessing SARS-CoV-2, uh, which has also been transmitted from bats and um, has caused a variety of synd- syndromes. And so they can be a different kind of coronaviruses. Some can be milder illnesses in the form of common cold, and some can be very severe, as we have seen uh, during this pandemic.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Doctor. And um, are these viruses airborne, or are they the droplets that are contaminating surfaces?
2: Yes, yeah, so both. Uh, these are uh, droplet. There is predominantly droplet transmission, and uh, these droplets can vary in their size, from uh, smaller to bigger droplets, and uh, also. Uh, uh, generated during aerosol generating procedures which are very common in the enduring hospitalization like uh, incubation and things like that uh, also they can be transmitted through fomites through touching uh, so on surfaces they can last for a long period of time and uh, can be transmitted any time when we are um, coughing and sneezing um and can also be transmitted um through touch through contact
1: Okay, wonderful. That's really good to know so that we know and definitely need to be disinfecting the different areas, don't we?
2: Absolutely. It's so important uh, not only to wash hands, but also to make sure that our surfaces that we use on a daily basis, our offices, our kitchen tables, and um, our desks are all clean.
1: Exactly.
2: And, Doctor, the COVID-19 is
1: a pandemic, Can you explain to our global listeners the difference between a pandemic and
2: an epidemic? Sure. Um, So, it's a great question. Epidemic is defined as an outbreak of disease that can spread quickly and it can affect many individuals at the same time. A pandemic is actually a type of epidemic. Just the difference is that it, it has a greater range and a greater coverage uh, in the form of an outbreak that occurs over a wider geographical area as we have witnessed with covid-19 um which has spread throughout the globe and is affecting an exceptionally high proportion of population so while a pandemic ca- is a type of an epidemic you won't you you can't say that for an epidemic you you won't say that epidemic is a type of a pandemic so that's how um the differences between epidemic and pandemic
1: Thank you so much. That's really important to know. And, Doctor, uh, can you share the ways uh, to prevent acquiring the COVID-19 virus?
2: So the best way is to prevent exposure to the virus, right? So you want to protect yourself in the form of um, until the vaccine is there. But since there is no vaccine, you, the best way to protect yourself is to prevent being exposed to the virus. And um, as we have discussed previously, you know, exposure can happen within contact, within six feet of another person. So making sure we maintain a distance of six feet, which is two arms length, um, it can happen through respiratory droplets uh, that are produced when an infected person coughs coughs or sneezes or speaks, and hence the uh, role of masking. Uh, you know, these droplets can end up in the mouth or in the nose of those who are nearby or can be inhaled and reach the lungs. So hence we want both the parties to be masked. And also there are lots of studies suggesting that COVID-19 can be spread through people with no symptoms at all. And again, the importance of using face coverings, whether they are masks and face shields when we go out in the community and are Are mingling in the society, whether we are going to the grocery store, um, maintaining that distance and washing hands and um, using masks are the three main ways of preventing exposure.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Chapa. We appreciate that. Um, Dr. Tillotson, would you introduce um, antibiotic stewardship to our listeners at this time?
3: Certainly, antibiotic stewardship is a, a program Uh, or a series of programs in which um, practitioners, and it's a multi-team, a multi-member team approach. Uh, Stewardship involves infectious disease experts, infection control, pharmacists, microbiologists, and probably many others that I've forgotten that, Dr. Chopra will will know know more about, but it's a multidisciplinary approach to managing the use of of antibiotics uh, predominantly in the hospital setting, but it should also be spreading to long-term care and into the community as well. The purpose really is to make sure that the antibiotics that we are are used properly in the right infections at the right doses and so forth. Um, And really, I mentioned earlier on, about the use of antibiotics for bacterial and not viral infections. Stewardship promotes that that, that philosophy. Um, And I think thinking about stewardship with regard to COVID infections, which is clearly something that we we are currently very concerned about, uh, there was actually a a publication in the last couple of days that actually discussed the the impact of uh, COVID-19 on antimicrobial stewardship. And because it's an open-access article, I think we may be able to put the, the link on, on the website later. But if not, it's a paper by Hutner in clinical microbiology infection. And uh, they, they basically have produced 11 points that really uh, improve antibiotic stewardship in COVID. Uh, but the key things here, I'm not going to go through them all, obviously, but the key things here are really reserving our know, for the most severe presentations. And those without severe respiratory compromise could be managed without antibiotics. So that's a a key differentiation. Um, And and Dr. Chopra will discuss some of the antibiotic implications in a few moments. And most importantly, really, it would be ideal to have microbiological information before you start antibiotics. Um, For example, a urinary antigen test for Legionella blood cultures and so forth. So there are ways in which one can microbiology confer, microbiologically confirm the organism you want to uh, eradicate and then you select the right antibiotic, bearing in mind your local resistance patterns. Um, an antibiotic treatment, once initiated, should be re-evaluated on a regular basis. And if there are no bacteria causing infections, then stop the antibiotics uh, What we don't want is to expose the normal bacteria that are protective in our our systems to antibiotics and they then can become resistant, further driving the problem. So the purpose of stewardship is to maintain the activity of the antibiotics we have currently and and to enable us to to provide appropriate therapy and the appropriate treatments, in the appropriate patients, sorry. And just to touch on antibiotics that are in development um, currently, there are about 12 antibiotics that are in later stage of development, or Phase 3, and the majority of those are being developed for infections like carbapenem-resistant uh, pseudomonas, multidrug-resistant E. coli, and other what we call gram-negative bacteria. Very few are being developed for gram-positives like MRSA, you're probably familiar with. And as I said before, there are a number of drugs being developed for C. diff, but at the moment... The focus is on gram-negative infections, uh, as that is one of our major clinical needs at, the, at present. Uh, and Just to give you the scorecard, uh, we've had 14 antibiotics approved since 2014, but 18 have been discontinued in that period. So at the moment, the discontinu- discontinuation rate exceeds our approval rate, and that's one of the problems in terms of antibiotic development. It's a very, very bu- high bar to try to get over. So hopefully an answer to that, gives is an answer to stewardship and development in, in one go.
1: Absolutely. And it's really devastating to learn that 14 antibiotics have been removed. That's very disturbing. So thank you for sharing that, Dr. Tillerson. Um, and Dr. Chopra, uh, before we go to break, we have two minutes before we call, pause for a commercial break. Would you be able to share the symptoms associated with a COVID-19 virus and And does each person present um, with their own symptoms?
2: Sure. Um, The symptoms, usually the virus presents with fever, cough, shortness of breath. um, Also can present with diarrhea, um, abdominal pain. Uh, Particularly, we've seen children presenting with uh, diarrhea, abdominal pain. And you are right. Uh, Children can manifest uh, slightly differently as compared to adults. Also, older adults, more than 65 years of age, can have more subtle symptoms in the form of absence of fever, but more failure to thrive and shortness of breath uh, when they present to the to the hospital. Also, we are familiar with children who can have uh, more um, inflammatory sort of a syndrome of a few weeks after COVID, initial COVID infection, and can present as fever, rashes, and multi-organ failure.
1: That's really that. Thank you so much, Dr. Chopra. That's something that all of us who have children need to watch after. And at this time, we're going to break for a commercial. And when we return, we will continue discussing C. diff infections, COVID 19, and what is known today with our guests, Dr. Tina Chopra and Dr. Glenn Tillotson. Please stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages.
0: Join us on Saturday, November 14th at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for the 8th Annual International CDF Virtual Conference and Health Expo. For details and to register, please visit cdiff2020.com. Again, that's cdiff2020.com. Or contact the CDF Foundation at 727-205-3922. We look forward to meeting you online on November 14th and meeting you in person in November 2021 in Boston, Massachusetts at the Hilton Boston Logan Airport Hotel. To help support the C-Diff Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4C-Diff. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala.
1: Welcome back to C. diff spores and more. It's wonderful to have you joining us today. Our guests today are Dr. Tina Chopra and Dr. Glenn Tillotson. Today, they join us to discuss C. diff infections, COVID-19, and what is known today. And right now, I'd like to welcome both doctors back to the program. Welcome to the program, Dr. Chopra and Dr. Tillotson. Thank you, Nancy. Oh, you're so welcome. And Dr. Chopra, I'm going to call on you first uh, and ask you, well, actually, um, we're really pleased to know that you recently published an article in Emerging, emerging Infectious Diseases. What prompted you to think of this contribution of a combination of infections?
2: Sure. Um, so um, thank you. Uh, you know, this article is uh, very close to my heart because it directly um, talks about the consequences of inappropriate antibiotic use and also highlights the importance of parallel pandemics with COVID-19 co-infections, um, that happen in patients with COVID-19. Uh, so what prompted us is when we saw a patient with severe COVID-19 and C. Diff together and we were asked, I was consulted to do a fecal transplant on that patient. Uh, so we decided to also review any other patients that we may have the two infections concomitantly, both COVID-19 and C. Diff. And we found a total of nine cases in our hospital and uh, they... Um, Interestingly, the, these nine patients were predominantly older adults, more than 65 years of age. Uh, their median age was 75, and they were predominantly female. And um, we found that um, a lot of these patients had underlying comorbid illnesses, and uh, they were hospitalized in the prior 60 days. And they um had been exposed to antibiotics uh, unnecessary sometimes and sometimes required based on their uh, presentation. about uh, seven of them had cd prior after after covid nineteen diagnosis, and uh, two of them had C. diff on admission um they They were exposed to common antibiotics like Glenn had mentioned, five of them were exposed to cefepime Three of them were exposed to On As you know, cep- cephalosporins are notorious to cause C. Diff. So, you know, these nine cases highlight the importance of judicious use of antibiotics for potential say, secondary bacterial infections in patients with COVID-19. And also, the, it highlights the importance of risk factors, how older adults can, are at higher risk of uh, both COVID and C. Diff. And um, the problem of antibiotic resistance, the collateral damage with antibiotic resistance and C. diff is so uh, important to highlight through this article. And then, of course, the use of stewardship is so necessary to monitor um, appropriate antibiotic use, especially during pandemics. Both COVID and C. diff should be considered in patients who present with diarrhea during COVID-19 pandemic because we've seen several patients who um, were missed on admission when they presented with diarrhea and, and uh, ultimately ended up having COVID-19. So this is, uh, this, these are the few things that are highlighted by our paper. Okay. Thank you
1: so much, Dr. Chopra. And Dr. Chopra, what are the clinicians' empiric approaches to COVID-19 in terms of combating the potential issues? Uh, what are the downsides and, or the upsides?
2: Yeah, you know, the first thing to remember is that for COVID-19, we really don't have any therapeutic options. Uh, we are using a lot of uh, treatment uh, regimens on a, on a trial uh, basis at this point, other than, of course, steroids, which have been proven in a study to be uh, useful. Dexamethasone has been sh- shown to be useful. And uh, most of the times we are using symptomatological, uh, 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 you know, management in these patients. Um, and uh, the other important thing to realize is that to highlight for our communities to uh, uh make sure you seek medical help when you feel that either you've been exposed or you have any of the symptoms that we have were previously mentioned um, there are um, other treatments that have been uh, studied but we really don't have any randomized controlled trials uh to have uh, evidence based Strategy to treat COVID at this point.
1: Okay, and Dr. Chapa, as a result of COVID, will we see more CDI? Uh,
2: great question. Again, yes, um, that's what we saw. Our CDF rates went up uh, during the pandemic. Um, you know, as for, as an example, they were at three point three per ten thousand patient days in the months of January and February. And they went up to 3.6 per 10,000 patient days just during the months of March and April, which is quite interesting and also uh, highlights the same fact that when we use antibiotics inappropriately, we are going to see a higher uh, rate of C. diff and hence uh, important to be mindful and watchful of this collateral damage.
1: Exactly.
2: And, you know,
1: Dr. Chopra, as we know, Recent CDC showed that hospital-acquired infection (CDI) was on the decline, but community-acquired disease is increasing. So, do clinicians ask the key questions about possible CDI on admissions?
2: Absolutely, this is uh, extremely important. As, as um, you rightly pointed out, the recent publication around uh, how the community onset CDF is not declining and hospital onset is declining. So. In- so one important to ask patients on admission if they've been exposed to antibiotics uh, and asking all the risk factors for C. diff on admission is very, very important. And also implementing stewardship practices, stewardship programs in the community um, are highly important, not only in hospitals, but they have to go in the community, in the ambulatory care setting. So we also use antibiotics judiciously in the outpatient
1: setting. Okay, wonderful. Um, Thanks for sharing that, Dr. Chopra. And Dr. Chopra, from an infection control perspective, what, if any, will be the COVID-19 CDI uh, co-infection require a specific management? For
2: infection prevention, you know, the most important thing is to wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Um, that is uh, so important, particularly the fact that we know that C. diff spores can be removed by the act or action of, uh, you know, rubbing hands and creating that friction. So washing hands with soap and water is still the key making sure we clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces daily, which include tables and door handles and light switches, counters, railings, desks, you know, toilets, faucets, sinks, all of those. And um, if the surfaces are visibly dirty, you want to clean them. You want to wash them using soap and water and detergent before disinfecting them. Household disinfectants uh, should be used. And also uh, monitoring your health, you know, watching for uh, symptoms of um, both COVID-19 and C death. when in the right setting is so important, like uh, watching for fever, cough, shortness of breath, diarrhea, um, making sure that um, when we run uh, essential errands, uh, you know, we want to maintain the physical distance of six feet and also we want to uh, mask up. So those are all the important guidelines that have been laid down by CDC and we want to um, make
1: sure we follow them. Wonderful. And yes, we all need to do our part and follow them. Thank you, Dr. Chopra. And Dr. Chopra, is there a chance of family members getting a C. diff infection from a COVID-19 infected relative, assuming prior antibiotics were uh, predisposed with the uh, treatment of COVID case?
2: Yeah, that is a very interesting, um, very, very interesting question. And remember that, you know, a lot of times uh, we are colonized with C. diff and um, we may be uh, shedding the spores of C. diff. And um, again, uh, highlighting the importance of washing hands. To answer your question, yes, you know, transmission is possible, through are touching surfaces and um, if there is surfaces are not clean and there are spores lying on the surfaces or we are using toilets that have spores, um, common areas that have spores and there is um, shedding of spores by a patient who had previously had C-death and COVID or either of them and, um, you know, the, the the fomite transmission is possible in both COVID and C-death. So to uh, answer your question, the answer is yes. And hence, uh, we need to make sure we follow the preventative strategies that I uh, pointed out
1: earlier. Okay, wonderful. And Dr. Chopra and Dr. Tillotson, there's something here that I, I really want to share with you. It's a little humorous, but it's actually really helpful. Um, one of our associates sent us a little sign. It said, avoid men. M from mouth. E for eyes, N for nose. Instead, follow women. W, wash your hands. O, obey social distancing. M, mask up. E, exercise and eat well. N, no unnecessary traveling. I just had to share that. I just thought that was appropriate for our conversation. (laughs) That (laughs) is so wonderful. You
2: have to uh, post it on the website so others can also see it. I, I love it.
1: I love it right I know it was perfect so and at this time we are going to pause for a commercial break and when we return we will continue discussing c-diff infections COVID-19 and what is known today with our guests Dr. Tina Chopra and Dr. Glenn Tillotson please stay tuned we'll be right back after these messages
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean, dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Handwashing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on handwashing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks. Because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to C. diff spores and more if you have a question please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org now back to our program here again is your host Nancy Kerala.
1: welcome back to the program and we thank you so much for joining us today today our guests Dr. Tina Chopra and Dr. Glenn Tillotson have been here discussing C. diff infections COVID-19 and what is known today we welcome the doctors back to the program Welcome back, Dr. Tillotson and Dr. Chopra. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I want to just say thank you for being with us today. Um, We are in our last final roundup of today's program, and I ask you if you have any key points that you would like to share and have the listeners take away with them today. Um, Dr. Chopra, would you like to
2: begin? Sure. Sure. I think, um, importantly, what we've learned and discussed today is um, that COVID is a complex disease and uh, clinicians and the community um, needs to think beyond the respiratory tract. It's not just limited to the lungs, but uh, other, uh, other organs of our body, including our heart and inclu- including kidneys and the fact that in children, it can manifest as a whole different disease. Um, secondly the fact that C. diff is still a frequent infection but it's uh, more common in the community setting uh, which we also know is where uh, COVID begins so important to think broadly Um, and those are the two takeaways that I would like to highlight and I would like to give it over to uh, Glenn for his takeaways
3: Thanks I think with with COVID-19 there is this uh, tendency to to want to use antibiotics for for concern and fear of pneumonia and and other bacterial infections. But in the interests of sound antibiotic stewardship, I think it's important to recall that only 15 to 20% of of COVID patients will actually have a proven bacterial co-infection. So I think one of the most important things of managing these patients, unless the, the COVID patient is ill and then clearly you want to cover all all your options, I think it's best to just watch and be very patient and make sure in the first 48 hours that um, that the microbiology data supports using an antibiotic. Otherwise we're just going to drive the resistance crisis that we were seeing and that leads us into a vicious downward spiral of we use more antibiotics and lo and behold we'll see more C. diff. Um, And I think That's a spiral that we want to avoid. So I think think carefully about antibiotic use in these patients and only turn to that corner when you feel that really and genuinely there's likely to be a a pneumonia or some other um, severe and serious infection.
1: Exactly. And Dr. Tillotson and Dr. Chopra, would you like to share um, your information, your contact information or a website you'd like uh, individuals to look in on uh, for more information?
3: Sure. sure. I'm happy to share I, my email address. I, I don't I, know I, how you do it, but sure. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Go ahead, to Glenn. Uh, Dr. Tillison, you want to start off?
3: Sure. My email address is gtillotson, that's g-t-i-l-l-o-t-s-o-n, that's gst com.
1: Wonderful. Okay, and do you have any specific uh, websites you'd like people to look in on?
3: I think the most important one I, I've recognized today is the, uh, the, I think the link for um, this open access article by Huttner and colleagues in clinical microbiology infection. It is a, I, I could not have expected better timing for an article to come out on uh, COVID-19 antibiotic stewardship. And I think that is, is a, an important topic to, to follow. Otherwise, I think the key websites, you pick up many of them anyway. But I'm sure Tina has got uh, other you know, ideas as well. Dr. Chapa,
1: would you like to provide information for our global listeners?
2: Sure. Uh, my email is uh, tchokra uh, at medmed.wayne.edu. And um, as far as um, resources, I think uh, for COVID, um, to to understand more about updated numbers, Johns Hopkins website is very uh, a good resource, uh, and also CDC website is wonderful to go over uh, the current updated guidelines on prevention. As far as the article that we discussed, Glenn and I uh, are both co-authors on the article, and. Uh, around C. Diff and COVID co-infections. And I think it's a very useful article to understand the, the co-infections and how they present. Uh, and it's also an open access um, article and we can provide that link on our website, on the C. Diff foundation website. Um, it's uh, available on emerging infectious diseases. Uh, it's, it's a CDC um, article and a journal and it will uh, be, you know, viewers can uh, access that as well.
1: Exactly. And uh, a lot of the articles are already listed on the C. Diff foundation's website, which is cdifffoundation.org, along with the clinical trials that are also uh, available at this time also. And Dr. Chopper and Dr. Tillotson, we are four minutes away from closing. Would you have any other information you'd like to share at this time?
2: You know, I, I would just like to mention that we are we are getting into the fall and it's very important that we keep, uh, rem- you know, reminding ourselves that we are entering fall and we are going to see um, influenza as well, as you know, and we still are in the midst of COVID. Uh, so uh, remind uh, each other about vaccination, the importance of influenza vaccination. I think um, that is uh, something that I would like to... Uh, highlight and the fact that we've been talking about antibiotic stewardship and the first step as per CDC 12-step uh, uh, stewardship program is immunization because prevention is better than cure. Exactly. Dr. Tillotson?
3: I think um, the, the concept of, of mixed infections or co-infections I think is important for clinicians to take away. Um, I think you know we would be um, aware of the fact that COVID-19 as a respiratory infection would come along with pneumonia. But I think we've seen evidence over the last few weeks of other uh, atypical presentations of, of uh, other infections, skin infections, GI infections, and so forth. So I think it behooves us all to keep an open mind. A seriously ill patient with pulmonary presentation, if they have other issues, think broadly. Don't just think, um, just don't think, think covid Um, be more broad-minded it's better to exclude something than regret it
1: exactly another thing um, we're trying to share with patients is if they're having any kind of symptoms that are an emergency line uh, that they should seek medical attention and not to postpone it Um, do you have any further information about going to the emergency room at this time
2: I think again um, when we have severe symptoms like respiratory distress, uh, you know, shortness of breath, high grade fevers um, that is a time uh, when we want to make sure that we go to the emergency room and seek medical attention early on rather than late and also um, diarrhea is a, a symptom that can cause, uh, severe diarrhea can cause dehydration so that is a uh, also, uh, a symptom that should warrant uh, hospitalization. Thank you. Thank
1: you both so much. You know, we can't do this without you. And we just want to thank both of you, Dr. Tina Chopra and Dr. Glenn Tillotson. Thank you so much for all that you do for others and your dedication in healthcare and infectious disease and the health community. So, right now, I just want to say thank you for being with us today.
2: Thank you for having
3: us. Yes, thank you indeed.
1: You are more than welcome. We look forward to having you back on the program again really soon. And at this time, the members of the CDF Foundation would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare. To learn more about their products and how Clorox Healthcare is keeping the environment safer, please visit their website, www.cloroxhealthcare.com. We wish to acknowledge the organizations around the globe dedicated to improving health care Through research and developing new products to address C. difficile infections, C. difficile prevention, treatments, protecting the gut microbiome, clinical trials, diagnostics, and environmental safety worldwide. To learn more about clinical trials focused on C. diff infections and recurrent C. diff, prevention and treatments, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website, www.cdifffoundation.org, and clinical trials in progress. Please help them to help you to help others. To learn more about upcoming events that you will not want to miss out on, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website. We send out our get well wishes to all the patients being treated for and recovering from a C. diff infection and the many wellness draining and illnesses being combated across the globe, including, of course, the COVID-19 virus. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, with our reminder, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We wish you good health, continued healing and a good day. (music)